there's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money line wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. The internet can be a goldmine for identity themes. Hey, big score? Six-pack of passports. You? Yeah, a couple social security numbers. Ah, well, beats real work, right? <laughs> <laughs> it can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. The following program is powered by Urban Junction Entertainment. The Central Coast of California is a world-class destination and an even more distinctive place to call home. Celebrating 20 years of service, Kim Benedetto has been helping buyers and sellers find their dream home while maximizing their investment in this special destination. When you work with Kim, it's all about you. Your dreams, your priorities, your investment, and your dream home. Kim Benedetto Fine Estates, serving Pebble Beach, Carmel, and the Monterey Peninsula. Discover more at KimNegotiatesHomes.com. California license number 01278679. Hi, this is Atina, and you're listening to Let's Chat and Jam, hosted by MC Andrew Love. Hey, what's going on, everybody? MC Andrew Love back on your screen, your speakers, one more time. And welcome to another edition of Let's Chat and Jam. In this episode, I speak to a brother out of Philadelphia. His name, Derek Eason, one of the funniest men I've ever met. Check out this interview we did right now. What's going on, everybody? MC Andrew Love back on your screen and your speakers one more time with another edition of Let's Chat and Jam. In this episode, I'm speaking to a brother out of the Philadelphia area. You know how I met this brother, folks? I met him on a carnival cruise ship. He was one of the comedians, and he made me laugh. I'm laughing so hard right now, I want to cry. Yes, and I can't wait for you to meet him. So without further ado, let me bring in Derek Eason. Thank you, thank you, thank you, brother Andrew. DJ Andrew with the screw. I love it. How you doing, bro? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, man. How you been? What have you been up to? My neck. I've been up to my neck in pandemic. Man, you don't understand. You don't understand. You know what? I don't even want to even get into it because it's kind of like I'm getting ready to plug in the generator. I live in Philadelphia living off a damn generator. That's how hard times is right now, bro. I, uh, <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I was in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. I went in there. Yeah, because my aunt had an 80th birthday. 80. I'm telling you, I never saw a person live that age in my lifetime. But my aunt, she outlived everybody. How old is she doing? 80. She ain't getting no older? 
She can't get no older than 80 right now, man. She's done man, she's done aging. I tell you what, 80 is good. 80 is damn good, man. Damn good. I love that. I love it. I hope I live to 80, man. I tell you, I, I, I almost didn't make it to uh, to pass uh, 50, man. I in, in 2020, I aged at least 10 years. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, 2020, I think a lot of us aged at least 10 years. Hey. Especially because they were stuck in the house with all our kids. Oh, and let me tell you God. something. I'm used to being on the road, son. I'm used to being working. Uh, now I'm quarantined. I learn things. Like, I got a wife. You didn't know you had a wife? Man, I'm in and out the house. I'm changing clothes. I got things to do. I got gigs to do. I thought that was just like a... I, I, I mean, I ain't saying she was like... You saying she was the hired help? No, no. See, you said that. I ain't say that. I, I actually stopped talking before I said anything else. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, okay. Hey, just want to say, Derek is a good man. He works hard for his money. Hard for my money and whoever's in the house. That's what I'm saying. I work far hard. I work hard for who's in the house. And during this pandemic, I learned that I actually like my wife. You like I mean, your I, wife? I don't. I mean, look. I, we all know. I, I I know I love my wife. We all got people we love, but do we like them? Uh, I like my wife. I found out I like my wife. Well, I'm we pretty the, sure she likes you, too. Oh, yeah. We were in the house for, like, I don't know how many days. The whole 2020 had several assortment uh, uh, groupings, uh, sets of knives, razor blades. There was guns in the house. We had all kinds of bats, crowbars. And we went through the whole pandemic, no scars. Now, one scar, all, all the scars are on the inside. You can't even see it. Wow. I'm only scarred on the inside, so it's all good, bro. <laughs> You're able to hide your scars very well, sir. Hey, winning. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, I knew this was going to be a funny interview. I just didn't know I was going to be crying over here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was crying for a while. I was absolutely crying for a while. This because it's high and there's lows, it's high and there's lows. And I was in tears. But I tell you what, I turned them tears into fear. And once you turn them tears into fear, you run. Now you ain't got time to cry. You got to get the hell up out of there. You running. You running. Running, running, running. Far away. Until I came to a point where I said, hey, I'm running, I'm running away from myself. I need to stop, chill, relax. Take an assessment and re have to kind of reinvent myself. I was really in a depressive state, man, during this point. I'm not working. I'm an unemployed comedian. I'm not working. I'm not able to do my craft because now the actual thing that I do is talk. I mean, it, it creates it, it, it created the virus, the grouping. When we were on ships on top of each other, man, wasn't that crazy? We were top on top of each other. The comedy clubs were crowded with people. It was just a natural environment for the spreading. So to try to translate what I did on stage to this format, this two-dimensional, it was not hard. Or rather, it was not easy for me. Didn't do a lot of gigs in the last year, so maybe three or four. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I did a lot of writing. Didn't do a lot of uh, venting. Didn't do a lot of performing. Oh, so you got a lot of new material you're sitting on right now. I'm sitting on so much material, dog, I think I'm gay. Oh, my goodness, man. When did you realize you had a passion for comedy? 
I realized I had a passion for comedy after. It was pretty recent. I'm saying like within the last few decades, because I think when, well, when people ask me how did I get started, I always said, well, comedy find, found me. I was, I was a class clown. Um, I was voted the most, I was voted the class clown in high school, but I turned it down because I, I thought it was, a, in my mind, I was like, no, I ain't going to be no clown. You ain't not going to be a senior in high school and y'all going, I'm going out like that. But people, even my enemies, people I fought in school, we were still friends because they're like, yo, dude, you make me laugh. So I think when I actually did an open mic many years ago in the 80s and still couldn't call myself a comedian. And, and I think after maybe 10, 20 years, I don't know. At some point, I started getting feedback that people appreciated me and that I was doing something that was beneficial to others. And that's when I'm like, yeah, I like that. That's what I wanted to do. It wasn't the applause. It was the fact that I thought I was doing something good for someone. You know what I mean? Or that someone benefits. And they told me that. I got that feedback. It's like instant gratification that, uh, I don't know, it's immeasurable. So that created the want to do more. And you feeling good makes me feel good. And I got something to say. Now, you're listening to me too. I'm really influencing you somehow. That's like, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm still trying to get rich, uh, but I'm, I'm settled. It's a different kind, different kind of success. So I'm cool with that. Well, as long as you're okay and you can pay your property taxes, I guess you're doing pretty good. Property taxes, mama's oh. taxes. I'm, I'm paying, uh, I'm buying baby's drawings. I'm not talking about baby. I'm talking about baby. <laughs> Well, that's different. Yeah. That's yeah. different. You married her, so you have to buy her drawings. Oh, hell no. She's a grown-ass woman. She can get her own drawings. But you got to go get all her sanitary napkins and everything, man. Yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter <laughs> of fact, you got to start carrying her purse around for her, too. Dude, that's what I, you got to do next. I just wrote this bit. I'm like, look, I love you women, but you got to give the fellas a break here. You want equal rights. You want equal status. You want equal pay. You want, you want equal, you want, stop sending me out for feminine products. You, okay? You want us to stop telling you what to do with your body? Stop sending me out for Vagisil. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Is it the purple bottle? Is it the pink bottle? What, which one is it? I don't know which one to get. What is it supposed to stop odor or the itch? Which one? I don't know. And then I was just going for cookies and ice cream. Now I got to go and get something. That's why they call it feminine product. Because it's for feminine. I don't tell you to go, hey, baby, can, can you go uh, can you go out and get my, pick up my dick grave? I ain't sending my woman off an old dick grave. I'm not sending my woman off on any product that has to do with my manliness. Do I send you off an Old Spice? No. What if you send her out, she gets a Christmas gift, and it happens to be the Old Spice gift collection. And I know yeah. she didn't shop. I know she waited. And I know she just bought that about an hour ago. <laughs> That's usually the last day on the shelf. Old Spice and um, fruit. And she got the Old Spice because she know I hate green. Oh, so she'd rather give you something that you like, clear and white. Transparent, yeah. Very much like her. She's from Bulgaria. 
Oh, okay. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 dollars in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Hi, this is Kyra. Thanks for listening to the Let's Chat and Jam podcast. Tap into the episode featuring myself now available. Who are your greatest influences? With regards to comedy, um, I would say uh, so. My answer would be Charlie Barnett, who is a comedian from the New York area, who was a street performer and uh, someone that I saw every week for a decade or so, over a decade in Washington Square Park. And after going to the clubs that night, Saturday evening, we would end up in the park. At some point, Charlie would come do come through the park and do comedy. I watched this guy for years. Just watched him, how he handled the crowd, how he made me laugh, how the things he spoke about, how I identified with it. And it kind of it was imbued to me, not knowing what I was you know, soaking in. Later on, of course, listening to Richard Pryor and Moms Mabley, Red Fox, you know, George Carlin. So when I got old and started getting into the comedy, trying to find out what I'm actually doing, these are the people I listened to. Carlin, Pryor, Red Fox. I listened to old school. I'm an old school, an old head. So anybody. I listened to Jack Benny. Jack Benny is the king of timing. Old, old dude. But but technique is technique. And technique doesn't get old. Technique. So I watched people that I admired, even up to date now. Got a chance to work with a lot of people through the time that started Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jimmy J.J. Walker, Joe Rogan, Sam Kennison, Dennis Wolfberg, Andrew Dice Clay, D.L. Hughley, worked with the Temptations, Roberta Flag. <laughs> Mama, what was this? Messing sticky thicky, rah, 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 Mama, testing off of He was an old, uh, Banjo player, man. Red Skelton? Great. We'll go with Red Skelton. Yeah, so I opened for Red Skelton. And uh, so it was just a lot of these people that I opened for, I worked with. I was very fortunate. You just hit dropping a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, how about I Eddie Murphy, man? Was it, Are you older than Eddie Murphy? Maybe. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm asking, because you ain't name dropped him, man. I was just wondering, because if you're older than him, then I could see that he, he would like look at you as one of his superheroes. No, no, I, I think Eddie Murphy's probably a little younger than me. Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're probably in the same decade. But no, he was like some. I absolutely love Eddie Murphy. Funny, funny, funny. I mean, to this day, you know, I experience. I, no, I, I mean, I mean, but he's not someone that I. I love the way he wrote. I love the way he acted. But he was not someone that I focused on. I focus more on Cosby. I focus more on Mitch Hedberg. I focus more on Stephen Wright. I focus more on uh, 
these people that uh, that were just solid in who they were. Eddie Murphy was just—he was very observational. He was very uh, entertaining. He did great impressions. His energy was outrageous. His charisma was even more outrageous. But as a stand-up comedian, he stands alone. He did very little. Most of—I mean, when I say very little, I mean when you look at the base of work, his majority of his work is comedic acting, not stand-up comedy. Eddie Murphy's probably one of the most underrated A-listers ever in Hollywood. He was doing things before a lot of people were. He carried films time after time after time. Even his bad films like Pluto Nash are good now. But as far as the stand-up, raw, delirious, his SNL, that's his legacy. I mean, I mean, we're all delirious as his stand-up legacy. Yeah, I've heard some old Eddie Murphy tapes, comedy tapes, before he brought out Delirious. And during his SNL runs, he would do stand-up at the comedy store and places like that. He put these skits on tape. And that was one funny dude, man. Absolutely funny. He was also at the strip a lot. So I'm trying to get into the comic strip. And um, so I'm trying to pass. And Lucian Holt was there. We ran the room like that in Lucian Hall. So I go in, I do my set. I'm only like two or three years, four years in the game. Very green. That's what he said. He said, So uh, so he's like, Lucian, so, you know, how'd I do? I'm with my manager at the time. How'd you do? He said, Well, we already have a black comedian. You seem very green. He's talking about Eddie Murphy. The other, the other black comedian they have is Eddie Murphy. So now, if you're going to compare me to Eddie Murphy, it's like, fuck, I ain't had a chance. But Eddie Murphy, as legend goes, gets his spot from SNL because Charlie can't read. So he had his spot, couldn't get the gig. Eddie is pushing the campaign to get the spot, and he gets it. Very, very interesting. Chappelle did try to do a story about, uh, about his life in the years. That'd be dope to hear what Eddie Murphy had to do to get to where he's at today. I would like to see the making of the Eddie Murphy biography. Yeah, great story. Absolutely you, great story. When you're not in a, you're on a, well, you haven't been on the stage doing comedy, but when you're not on the stage doing comedy, and let's just say it was a regular year, what do you usually do? Well, I'm writing. Like, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll have some tea, run the news, and then just, like, listen to what's going on. I might get a spark or something. And I'll get an idea for something. It doesn't even have to be a joke, just a thought. Something that I thought was interesting. I'll just start writing. I'll just put it down, I'll jot it down. And, uh, you know, it usually goes somewhere in the subconscious tomorrow. But I really tried to um, stay active. It wasn't easy to actually stay active. You know, normally, uh, and then the other day, where I wasn't, uh, you know, hobbled by, you know, physical, you know, issues. I might be out playing disc golf. I might be out uh, just walking, hiking. I'd be out in the street. I might be uh, just catching up on some Netflix or something like that. I got a, I got a little PS PlayStation. I don't get into it that much because, uh, like, it's driving. I'm a driver. So my wife goes nuts when she's hearing this engine all day. I'm doing F1. And I'm doing wreck uh, fest, and I'm doing some demolition, Daryl girl kind of some scars, and dirt bike. I'm doing ATV and all that. But, was that a steering wheel for your PS station, PlayStation? No, 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 no. Your no. wife ain't gonna let that go down. Huh? 
No, no. Listen, I had a D. I had the DJ turntable. I because I had uh, uh, what was that? What was what was that? Uh, with the, it had it had one uh, with the guitar and it had the one guitar with, hero. Yeah, I was DJ here. I had DJ hero. DJ hero. Yes, I had the turntable wow. and everything, dude. I need that I was, game. Yeah, see, now it would be an amazing, amazing thing for you to have right now. It'd be a classic, classic toy right now. I would bring that on stage, and I would just be doing Guitar Hero in front of all the people watching me on stage. Dude, I'm sure you can find it if you really want. That would be an amazing novelty uh, set, man, to do a guitar uh, DJ Hero set. That would be amazing. <laughs> you, sent yeah. us, you sent us a comedy clip. What are we going to see on this clip? Break it down right. for us. Okay, so... Most of these clips that I have on my YouTube channel are from the punchline. My comedy comes from me, very storytelling, very much a storytelling uh, style. In addition to just crazy off, uh, off-center remarks, some oblique uh, interactions with audience members and things of that nature, I am horrible at remembering jokes. You know how many times people have come to me and tell me a joke. And I'm like, so I would, as I, I purposely try to get a joke into a set more for me than the audience. And I have to find something that I think is funny to tell. So this is one of those jokes that um, an actual, after a set, after a show, an actual fan, could do, you know, dance out, told me a joke. Which was really cool because it wasn't a racist joke. It was just funny. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And I said, I am stealing that. He said, You go. So I did. And I, from the first time I told it, I loved it. But then I switched it up. I didn't switch it up. I just acclimated it to me. I threw in a couple of juices here, spiced it up, didn't lengthen it, just made it a little tighter for what I do. And tell it, no worries, no matter when. Doing this and I'll tell it. I just throw it out there when I think I need it. And I just love telling you, I love people's audience. I love when people don't get it. It's even greater. It's even more fun for me when I tell the joke and people don't get it. So if I, you hear this, you see this, and you don't get it, I'm laughing. I'm laughing right now. Oh, boy. It's too bad that people on the podcast cannot see Derek Eason's face. So let me just say to you guys that are listening to this on the podcast, he's very, very animated. He really is. So without further ado, folks, people on YouTube, you can watch this video clip of Derek Eason telling his joke about, well, here it is. And of course, the people on the, you can listen to this on the podcast. So people in podcast land, check out this clip right now. Two midgets. <laughs> Sorry. Are there any midgets here? Right there, okay. In there, okay. Not you two. Two midgets. They're brothers. Siblings, not black. They want to go out and have a good time. They want to go out and meet two tall chicks. So they actually go to the club, have a great time, and actually meet two tall chicks. They have a great time. Now they want to take them back to the hotel room. They get them back to the hotel room, and they get adjoining rooms. One brother takes his girl in with a bottle of Jack. 
They talk, they drink, they talk, they drink, they talk, they drink. She falls out. Now he's mad. He's really pissed because he hears his brother in the next room. And his brother is going all night long. One, two, three. Uh. One, two, three. Uh. One, two, three. Uh. What is it? Uh. And the girl is just giggling all night. <laughs> next morning, the brothers get together and they're comparing notes. Brother says, hey man, how'd you make out? Brother says, man, my girl was a bust. All she wanted to do was drink my liquor and fall asleep. And that's what she did. And I heard you, brother, all night long. And it's like, one, two, three, uh, one, two, three, uh, get it, get it, get it. How was your night? He said, man, I couldn't get on the fucking bed. Hey, it's your girl, Beth. Thanks so much for listening to the Let's Chat and Jam podcast. Tap into the episode featuring me because it's available right now. Now, that was some funny stuff, man. I'm telling you, Derek Eason, you were one of the funniest comedians I have ever seen in a long time, especially all the Carnival cruise ships. I'll tell you something, folks. When I saw Derek Eason, I couldn't believe how funny he is. He made me laugh so hard, I almost cried, literally. And uh, when he called the people on the stage, I looked at my wife. I said, hey, I got to get on that stage. I, I got to go on that stage. He called people. I'm going to go up. <laughs> and so I got on the stage, and he said, all right, tell us some jokes. So I was like, all right, I got a joke. I got a joke. It's an old joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. And then I go and tell him the joke. I said, well, your mother's so fat, every time she turns around, it's her birthday. Then I proceeded to turn around. Every time she turns around, it's her birthday. (laughs) In a slow moving circle like the earth would rotate. I walked off the stage and I dropped this invisible mic because he wouldn't let me hold his. So I, I guess I had to drop my own invisible mic. <laughs> I dropped it and I kept walking. And then and then he's, he's, I didn't look back. That was probably the most memorable experience in Derek Eason's comedic life that he ever had. That's why he remembered me. And when I posted this stuff back on Instagram and I tagged him, he's like, oh my God, I remember you, dude. Because you don't meet too many MC Andrew loves in the world. You really don't. Can you tell us some of your experiences you've had since you've been doing comedy? Oh, man. You're absolutely miserable. I remember so many. I remember uh, doing a show in Massachusetts. And uh, there was a couple in the front row. And they were just into each other. Every time I said something. She said something to him. He said something to her. They started kissing him. I mean, just touching, feeling all over the place. And I finally stopped him. I started to scratch. I said, excuse me. Uh, what is going on here? And y'all just won't be, you realize the show going on. What, what is this, a blind date or something? And she said, yes, he's blind. <laughs> wow. Um, wait, 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 wait. 
if he's blind, how is he kissing her lips? Oh, he found them, or she found his. Oh, they was doing it. I'm, I'm telling you. And uh, so I sit there befuddled, just like I did. Like and I said, well, uh, thank God, uh, because right now I look like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I remember one time I was talking, and this happened pretty uh, recently. And uh, if anybody doesn't believe me, you can ask Doug Williams. He did not was. He was working with me on the show. Uh, doing a set, and I'm talking. When I do my show, I'm pretty conversational with the audience to the point where I may not be asking you a question, but I still get responses from people. I said something about uh, ladies, um, and there's a couple sitting up front, and the guy said, no. I let it go, and I continue on with my premise. He's like shaking his head now. No, no, no. I'm like, what? Okay, what, what, do you, what do you disagree about? He continues to tell me his point. I'm like, dude, no. You should stop. That's not true. Your lady's right there. She's telling you to stop. You should stop. And he's loud. Now he's like, no, I'm, you're not going to tell me what I should do and what I should do. And now it's gotten to the point where every time he speaks, she's like telling on him to be quiet. And I'm like, dude, you need to just stop. Finally, she gets up and leaves. Now, this is like in the front row. Everybody sees it. The audience goes nuts. Ooh. I'm like, dude. I said, dude, go get your woman. Go get your woman. What do you? Because he's young. He gets up, and while he's walking out toward, he's yelling at me. And then, just as he gets to the portion of the stage where the steps are, he rushes the stage, and he's coming at me with his fist ready to fly. I take two steps back. I grab the mic stand. I must have looked like Ahab ready to. Bust Moby Dick a new one because I'm standing ready to straddling this dude with the mic stand. All of a sudden, the, the club manager comes out. Now, he's like three foot nothing, a little short dude, but he was really full of heart. And he gets between, no, Derek, no, it's no. <laughs> no, Derek, no, it's not worth it. Don't do it. Don't do it, Derek. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people that grabbed him, but it's, um, see, that'll never happen on Zoom. No, you ain't going to have to worry about somebody rushing the stage on Zoom. No, but at the same time, it's that danger. That, that's that live, it's that live aspect, that tangibility that you're right there. That, that makes stand-up comedy so much more exciting when it's live. I was watching this live stand-up comedy show they did in, I can't remember exactly what city, probably was New York, but it was, it was they had a stage... And then they had cars in the audience, and everybody was sitting in their cars like it was a drive-through comedy stuff club. Yeah, yeah. I had. What if you piss that. somebody off so much that they drive the car into the stage? Then uh, you probably shouldn't do that material again. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's what I was thinking. I would think, yeah, maybe you should, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you should have read the room a little better. Uh, read, read the parking lot a little better. Yeah, who's got big cars here? Because those are the people I don't want to offend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you see somebody sitting in like a Crown Vic, you know, you don't want to be uh, trying to set them off the wrong direction. Or a Cadillac. You don't want nobody in like a 76 Cadillac, you know, El Dorado. Because yeah, those wooden cars were cars, and their bodies are steel. Made with metal, you know, and the, and the, and the fins. They had fins, and, and uh, they were uh, several... 
tons, not just a, a punk, a punk ass two two thousand pound car. You know, that, that was that was a fender back in the day. Hey there, this is singer-songwriter Castella. Thanks so much for listening to the Let's Chat and Jam podcast. Tap into the episode featuring me. It's now available. Yeah, I remember I had a 78 Chrysler Cordoba. That was my first car. Wow. My my first car was a Ford Granada. No, no. Mercury Monarch. A Mercury Monarch? My God. That was way back when. Okay, we don't need that to go was, that. That was the time. That was the time when they made those cars. That was the time when you used your feet to drive the car. I remember those days, and you had the dinosaurs pulling shit, and you probably had the Pony Express going along the way, didn't you? That's what that's going on. That's how they delivered the mail back then. No, we didn't even have the Pony Express. We just had a big blanket, a fire, and we just send up some smoke. And your TV was an AM radio, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, your, your, your TV was anything that passed in front of your face. <laughs> yeah, man. Do you have any advice for the youngins that are coming up that want to be comedians? I do. Okay, it's 2020. I'm going to be real with this. It's 2021. If the only place you have ever done comedy is online, you are not a stand-up comedian. It's not a bad thing. Just understand the difference. You're an online comedian. You're a humorist. You're, and yes, you can still have material, but you are not a stand-up comedian. A stand-up comedian is one who stands in front of real people, gets real responses, and makes the adjustments. So I would end. I would say that as soon as you're able to, to try, uh, there's so many people out there right now, Drew, that are so funny, but they're funny on this platform. And they don't understand the other variables involved in the craft, mic work, stage presence, charisma, uh, all these other things that are necessary when you're in a, a real form, you know, standing in front of a real audience. And they have to work those things out. This is a great platform to work out your material, tone, timing, these type of things. But when you're actually present in front of people, got to do something else. So you have to have a little more than that. So I would say as soon as you're able, folks, get back out there, find the stages, do the time, and just do the time. Yeah, do the time. And stay as universal as possible with your material. more universal you can stay, the more places you'll be able to work. And the easier it will be to do local funny wherever you are because you're dealing with the human condition, not necessarily with that particular community. And you can talk about your local community too, like sure that it's translatable to people who don't live in your community. That's what I would say. Uh, be universal. Get out there and get as much stage time as you can. Don't be afraid to don't be afraid to fail because that's how you really can, that's how you learn your lessons. You have to fail. If you're afraid to fail, then you're really afraid to learn the craft because you can't. Be funny all the time. I've seen Richard Pryor bomb. I've seen all the greats do it. It's because it's part of the craft. It's not you. It's part of the craft. You have things to work out. Do you have a process in in creating certain skits or certain jokes? Do you, do you have like before you go on stage? Let's say at a typical night at the Punchliner Comedy Club, and you just do. Do you have a process before you? 
go on the stage? Absolutely. Absolutely have a process. I mean, the general process of going through, uh, going through the general process to prepare for a set, you know, just um, getting a lineup, making sure that your, your segues are, the continuity is there. Um, and if you want to throw in some new material, where to put that new material in your lineup so it's not just there. Staying on its own, you have something to anchor it in the front and in the middle, uh, and at, at the end of it, you know. And of course, on ships are very, very different. At least they were when I was there. I don't know. I haven't been back. We do five shows on a cruise, and the same people would come back. If they liked you, the same people came back to see your show again, as opposed to here, where you go to a club, people come in, they go home. New, new crowd come in. So if you're on a show that people so theoretically, someone can come see you five times. So if you, if you want to do the same thing, that's up to you. If you didn't, you kind of uh, switch it up and you try to expand your repertoire, material, and abilities to entertain people every time they came. So they can get a new experience every time they see you. So uh, in that aspect, I really worked. So when I'm on the ships, I have five different half-hour sets. You won't see me repeat a show or a joke. So that's five different half-hour sets. That's two and a half hours of all fresh material. Two of those, and one of those hours is all family material, right? Because we were doing two family shows and three R-rated shows. So an, an hour of that two and a half hours is all family-related. And that other hour and a half can be also transitioned for family too. It's, it's keeping it universal. So um, in addition to the material and the things that I should still continue to be writing, and I always have something on deck, you know. So I got those shows plus my new ideas that I want. It's a never-ending process. So always in the lab, I should be. We should be always writing comedians or writers first. You're, you're as a DJ, you're, uh, I think, a researcher because when you start digging in the crates, you know, you want to find something that's going to connect with your crowd. You have not to reach your crowd. So if I got somebody coming, young people coming in, I want someone to start touching them. R&B crowd, I want to know who's coming in. When I did those shows on a ship and I knew they were repeating, I knew these people were coming in. I had something for them, you know. I want to read the room always, right? Yeah, read the room before you start the gig, while you're doing the gig, and after the gig. Yeah, read the room. That's dope. I'm digging the vibes, man. Do you do you have any burning desires? Sure, I do. I have the desire just to be successful. I have, I have the desire to be uh, at peace. Uh, I have a desire to you know serve others, you know, however I can. So to be useful, I have a desire to be useful. Well, you and, keep making people laugh the way you make me laugh. You are as useful as a ten dollar bill. <laughs> Damn, dog, that's a happy meal. Yeah, because a half a meal costs 10 bucks nowadays. It's a half a meal. I don't go cool with that. Hey, listen, I like happy meals because they do the job, man. I don't need all the extra stuff. I don't need the Big Mac to double quarter pounder. Give me a right. cheeseburger, some value fries, and a Coke all day. Cool, guy. I got you. And I don't eat McDonald's, but, you know, I just like the happy meal. Happy meal can be anything that makes you happy. And, and, and you eat it. Yeah, especially if it tastes good. It really makes you happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just appreciative that you had the time to come by to Let's Chat and Jam and hang out. 
it's really cool, man, to see you here at Across From Me. And I can't wait to see you on stage again because you're a one funny comedian. And everybody that checks out Derek Eason, like you can go to his YouTube channel and check out all his video clips over there because I'll tell you something, I got one of his DVDs and it was one of his long sets. And this brother here, Derek Eason is one talented comedian. And I tell you, you definitely should go tap in on YouTube and check out what he has in store for you. And of course, I'm pretty sure that Derek Eason has a place where you can purchase these DVDs if you choose to. Everything at I am Derek Eason. I am Derek Eason. Instagram, Facebook, tweet me, tweet me, talk me, whatever you want to do to me. Yeah, just get at me. I got you. I'm old school and uh, I got you. See, he said slide into his DMs and he got you. That's it. America in the world is I am Sandra Love slash Chat and Jams, my special guest, Derek Eason, out of Philadelphia. This brother here is one talented, amazing comedian. You can actually laugh at his jokes because he has jokes that make you think, and he has jokes that just make you forget that you even had pants on because and, and you, you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andrew, but you know I'm in, I'm in the struggle right now, bro. It's very easy living in Philly looking like <laughs> I'm living I'm living through it, yo. It ain't easy, yo. So help a brother out. He just got out, man. He just got out. That's what they say to me. Yo, bro, I'm glad to see you out the street. Well, I don't even know you, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't walk the street smiling, man. I can't. I walk out the street and smile at some woman. She slapped me. She slapped me. I'm like, what? I'm like, hey, baby, it ain't like I offered you a drink. Man, well, thank you for coming to the show, man. I do appreciate your time. You're a one awesome dude, man. Thanks for yeah. having me, bro. I really appreciate your invitation. Yeah. And since you've been here for the first time, you've now become part of the Let's Chat and Jam fan. It means you don't have to wait for MC to call you up and say, hey, Derek, you want to come to my show? Plug something. Nah, you can hit me up and come to my DMs and say, MC, I got something to talk about. I got something to I want to promote. I'm going to do it on your show. And I'm going to say, deal. You win. Let's go. That's what I like I'm going to do. I like That's that. what I'm going to do. And anyway, I want you to stay safe out there in Philly, please. Whatever you do, stay safe. And everybody else, y'all stay safe. And just remember, if you got a dream, you can go for your dream. Because only you could stop you. And nothing. And I mean nothing, folks. Beats a failure, but a try. Peace out, everybody. Hey, this is MC Andrew Love, and I want to thank you for tapping in to Let's Chat and Jam. We enjoy speaking to all these independent artists, but for without people listening like you, it would not be possible. Thank you for listening.